Matt, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Look, I know the man behind your masterclass. <laughs> One of the men is you. But I, I know that Phil spent weeks tirelessly making this. And I'm very happy that it's already a success. Yeah, thank you. Did you think people were going to buy it and want to learn about trading and what's going on in the stock market? Or were you a little worried like this might be a waste of my money and time? Well, like when I started it, I was pretty confident because I had a good reception on Twitter. But as we got into the middle of it and it was, you know, one week would pass and a month would pass and two months would pass. And you're kind of, you know, here with Phil on a, on a Friday night. You're asking yourself, I wonder when it actually goes up for sale. How's it going to do? You know, like yeah. I, I felt great to me. But then, you, you know, I've only traded my whole life. So it's the first time I ever launch any product or build anything. So it was, I was looking forward to seeing the reception. I was happy. It was super positive. I've only had really good reviews. People have only said really good things about it. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, you guys worked hard on it. And also you, I didn't know, I knew about the competition you had entered before. Mm -hmm. That's what kind of gave you traction on the internet. Um, but you had beat some records. You yeah. beat some of the greats. Explain that to me because I don't know about how your stock records work. <laughs> so there's a, a, a competition called the U.S. Investing Championship. And it started back in the 80s. And it's a real money competition. So you have to sign up with real money to do it. It's not kind of just a, you know, picking stocks type of competition. And going back in the 80s, you had some guys like Paul Tudor Jones. He's a big billionaire. And, and many people, Marty Schwartz, who competed. And they had great returns. And last year, when I in September, I was in first place with, a, I think it was a 426% return. Jesus. And that was the biggest they ever had in nine months. That was the biggest return. So it was a record for the competition. So I ended up finishing fourth. So it didn't matter how much you put in. It was more the percentage that you gained. Yeah, it's the only way you can compare one person to another. If one guy comes yeah. in with uh, $500,000 and one guy with $10,000, yeah, it's the only yeah. way you can compare, you know? Yeah, so. That was smart. No, I prefer yeah. it that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Interesting. Uh, that was, uh, you know, it's funny because that competition is something I always read about a lot when I was younger and starting, like as a teenager. And it had stopped for many years because uh, the guy running it went to start a hedge fund. So he stopped doing it. And in 2019, he started. And uh, I saw it like midway. I said, oh, next year I got to sign up. So then I, I ended up signing up. And suddenly by month five, six, it was like I was in fighting for first. And it was always myself and two, three guys kind of going between first and second. And Do you know those guys? I, you know, afterwards, we've become friends, especially with one of the guys, uh, Oliver. We, we chat often, and we're all really nice people. I've just given me an opportunity to meet some really smart guys, you know, so it's uh, it's been fun. And they give you, I guess, some info that you never thought of? Because uh, how do you trade? What, what do you look for? What's your strategy? So I had a lot of stuff. Like, uh, obviously, we have a really good mutual friend, Harry. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we always, you know, I used to trade with him at National Bank. He's the uranium kingpin. <laughs> That was originally my idea. I brought to him, and uh, he, he held on. I kind oh of oh my like god, really? Away. That's you? Yeah, yeah but I mean, yeah. Harry's a great trader on yeah. his own, so I, we always bring stuff to each other. But um, so you know, we both were were kind of market makers at the bank, and we traded together side by side. You know, we, we used to have the working space with you, yeah. so that's where we were always trading together. And uh, so that's what I was doing before. But at a certain point, I kind of got tired of day trading. I just it was just the it became almost a bit robotic for me. It was fun. I, you know, you're making money all the time, but it's kind of, I got tired of not being able to leave my seat and I had to run to go to the washroom kind of thing. So I said, I want to kind of shift. And when I had started when I was younger, there was kind of um, another style I had, I had done that I always did along the way, which is more growth oriented investing. So finding companies that are growing really strongly and, you know, buying them for these big runs. And it, it appealed to me because because here you're, you're not just looking at just the trade, which it's a ton of fun. Like, but I, I did it for like 15 years. I kind of said, I want a different challenge. And so it was great to kind of start to transition to focus on finding these stocks with this huge potential, like understand the story. What are they doing that's new? And it's fun because you're always like, there's all these new products, everything that's new that you're using, 
there's like a story behind that. And, and if you find it interesting, if you're like, well, you know, like, uh, hey, check out this great new product I tried, like chances are it's blowing up for a lot of people and a lot of people are enjoying it. So it's just like, a, it's a, just a different mindset to use and it was fun and I'm, I'm glad I made the shift. Yeah, and you, you guys, so you and Harry, I didn't know that you worked at the bank together. This yeah. is new to me. Uh, Harry, I think, was more, when he left, he's more of a recluse. He's a hermit, the guy. <laughs> so he needs to be alone, focus on his shit. He's one of those, you know, closet geniuses. You got to leave him alone and he's going to do a lot of good stuff. Uh, from you guys, I learned, like you said, about the uranium. How do you, so how do you explain certain people's success? I could explain your success and Harry's because I know that you guys do the homework. You've told me the homework and then it makes me do the homework. But then there's people like Nancy Pelosi, who seems to be a very good uh, trader um, with a D, even though the T-O-R could fit correctly for her too. Uh, but what the hell's going on? How does well, she do this? What's with this insider trading is what I'm trying to ask you. It's funny. There's a lot of politicians who have really great trading backgrounds. Yeah. I think Hillary Clinton had a lot of great futures trades. And I don't know. I I mean, it's insider trading if you're in a company and you get information. I think if you're a politician, it's like outsider trading. So it's technically not illegal. I mean, if you look at the Federal Reserve recently, a lot some guys kind of stepped down because they were buying stocks ahead of the Federal Reserve's purchases, you know, so. How is that even possible? Well, I mean, how is this allowed to happen? Is what I'm saying. No one's noticing, like the the Nancy Pelosi thing. We all know it. You're telling me the government doesn't realize that this is sketch. It's not necessarily legal. I mean, it's Ill- if you work for you a mean company, it's not necessarily illegal. It's not necessarily illegal. Ah. I mean, if you work for a company and you there, you know, they just signed a huge big new contract. You can't go and buy that stock. But I could tell Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> no, no, if it's company related. But if if you're I mean, look, I'm not a lawyer, but I, like from what I understand, from what I've read, you know, if they know there's, that they're passing some new policy that will probably benefit a group of companies or some kind of aspect of the economy, and they happen to have investments there, I mean, it's just uncanny that for a politician to have such good trading track records. I don't know. I don't yeah, want to. She's really good. I'm just saying. She's good. She's good. So maybe we, maybe you should interview her for her stock picks. I think. No, I'd like no, to no. See no, that no. We got standards at this program. <laughs> uh, so far, no criminals. So here's the thing. I was thinking. What you're saying is basically if I was um, in government and I knew that I was going to pass a law that would benefit, we're going to give some grants to, let's say, video game companies mm-hmm. locally. I would know that that's going to pass. So I know, okay, they're going to make some money because they got uh, their payroll is not going to be an issue anymore. They're going to get some grants. If I invest in them before this is announced, I'm making money. That's kind of what's happening. That's my general understanding. That's your, that's- that makes sense to me. I'm glad that you said that because that makes more sense than people behind the scenes talking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's possible. So They can talk too. I always wonder about stuff like that. So there's masterclass. Mm-hmm. If I purchase it, right? How successful will I be? Well, really, what I did was I tried to really take everything I learned and, and put it in like a condensed format. Because a lot of people, there's just so much stuff out there. There's YouTube videos, there's books, and everything kind of mishmashes together. And it's hard to get a full picture. You read one book, it contradicts another. So I wanted one where I could kind of be like this virtual mentor to like sit with you. Because so many times, and I read some of the like the books by some of the greats, like William O'Neill. He's a great investor. You know, it's one, I wish he wrote like a 10 book series. I wish I could sit next to him for, for a week and like get inside his head. And it wasn't possible. And, and I, now with like these video courses, I said, let me build something. Actually, my wife told me to do it. She's like, I've been buying all these courses for, you know, we have two small boys, you know, how to put them to sleep or, you know, what should they be Choke eating? <laughs> that works now. Uh, so I said, she said, you know, don't write a book. She's like, do a, do a video masterclass. Like people are going to love that. And I said, you know what? Modern format. Why not? And, um. I mean, look, everyone who's done the course so far, it's only been out for about a week or two, but people have been really loving it. So I, never mind selling and making profit. I mean, my, my business is trading. I mean, this is just like a, a fun side project. But for me, just a reward to see that people like are enjoying it so much and finding it so comprehensive to bring everything together. It's like useful. One, 
yeah, very useful. So that's to me that that means a lot, you know. My uh, barometer, the way I know that it's good, is because of Phil, because he's a pessimist, a bit of a negative Nancy, doesn't like things, and even he's like, yeah, bro, I learned stuff. I put him and in the then, matrix. Yeah, and he started. Um, he, he started telling me. I, I forgot what stock I was looking. at. It's like, well, you know, actually, if you look at one day, the first one of the first days, like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, I learned this. With Matt, <laughs> he, he, he so told me the story. His broker called him up, and he was buying Amer Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, suddenly he's like, you know, I never would question him before. And he's like, you know, I asked him. I said, I looked at the chart because you know I was looking at Matt's videos. I was editing them. <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? It's below a two hundred day moving average. And the guy's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, but don't worry, it's gonna come back. And he's like, and he's like, are you sure about this? He's like, don't worry. He's like, then you know, bit by bit, this thing kept falling, and I realized this guy doesn't know what the heck he's doing. He's just, he's just like rolling the dice on with my money. And yeah. anyway, I, I think whether you're gonna do it as you know, full-time or as actively as I do it or part-time, or even if you want to have an intelligent conversation with your advisor, to me, to, to take your money and give it to someone and just like hope they handle it well, to me, I just, that's something that doesn't sit well with me personally. So I think that's why it, it will benefit so many people in so many ways. Is it a gamble though? People, I always have this argument, are you gambling with your money? Mm -hmm. Do you consider it gambling? Not at all. I, I actually, I can't go to a casino and play because I always tell my wife- You're not allowed anymore? <laughs> Were you counting cards? They cut me off. They cut me off. <laughs> no, I, I find it's so hard to get that edge, that probability edge in investing. Like, it's not easy. I mean, you really got to put your work in. Then for me to go to a casino where I know they have a statistical edge against me. Like, I, yeah. I know if I play 100 times, I'm going to walk out a loser. I can't. Like, I mean, my whole life, everything I've done is to try and become, I want to be the casino. I want to be running my business like the casino. I can't go to the casino like a player and play. You know, it just it goes against my- what I believe in, you know? So uh, to me, it's not, if you treat it like a casino though, it'll be a casino. And that's what most people do, unfortunately. Okay. It, you, it's because of the homework, the research, it's kind of like uh, preordained. You already know. You're like, okay, this is where this is headed. If things go right. Cause you never know. A company could close yeah, down. Somebody's raping someone, allegations. It's just, that's what happens with yeah. stocks. People just sell. But in general, if you do your homework, it's not a gamble. It's just like a business that you're creating yeah. yourself. If you put the work into it, it's going to grow and thrive. It, it's like, let's say you're selling shoes. You're going to buy 20 different types. Not all 20 are going to be good. The ones that are no good, you liquidate them. You put them on special, get rid of them. You say, well, these five, these are really what's working. And so, I mean, look, is that guy gambling when he buys those 20 shoes? No, he, he knows. This is, these are my odds. These are my stats. I, so many are going to work over a period of time, and that's how I'm going to run my business. And that's the way I approach it. And so not, not everything works. I mean, some people think once you know what you're doing, it's like, oh, it's just winners and you're printing money. It's far, very far from the truth. But it's like a stats game. It's like any business. You, you know, you're going to have... Toys R Us is not selling any toys in January. They sold them in December. There's going to be quiet periods, but... It doesn't oh. mean that it's not a viable business. Exactly, exactly. Okay, I'm, so I'm looking at uh, metal. I'm looking at uraniums, things like that. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I'm doing it because you guys influenced me, and it's the only thing that really skyrocketed in my portfolio, which is a shitty portfolio, but it's my portfolio, so I like <laughs> it. Uh, do you see um, like an area where people aren't really looking right now that maybe they should be looking? You know, the market since since the COVID crash happened, the market's kind of been like a straight rocket up. Yeah. So like, there's not there's not I wouldn't say there's any sectors that are kind of cheap right now in terms of like a value type investing. But that's not really what I focus on anymore. If there if there are any sectors, you're probably looking at some unloved commodities like which uranium is now coming back to life. But everything is kind of levitated higher. So I, I actually feel like we're kind of in a bit more of an at risk environment right now, especially if I've had such a big run. And the Federal Reserve, and maybe most people are not familiar with them, but they control these. And every time your mortgage changes or, you know, they control these interest rates and they're starting to say like, okay, things are getting back to normal. So instead of supplying so much money to help the economy out, we're maybe going to slow that down soon. So what kind it, of effect is that going to have? It's usually very negative. Not, not very negative, but I mean, it's not a, it's not a positive development. So 
to me, like the, the saying in the market is don't fight the Fed. Like whatever the Fed's doing, you want to be on their side. So in the COVID crash, I remember the night they came out and they said, we're going to do all this, this, this stuff to help the economy. I turned to my wife. I said, that's it. The market's bottom. She's like, what are you crazy in the market? Like it was down 40% in a couple of, it was like an unheard of crash in the market. I said, did you see what the Fed just did? I said, they, they lowered the interest rates. They, they brought bank reserve requirements to zero. So that means right now banks don't have to hold any reserves. If you want to ask the bank for money, they don't actually have to have any money aside. They and can, they can give they, it to you. They can lend out all the money that they have if they want to. There's no reserve required. The federal said zero, zero percent you have to keep. These are all tools to incentivize banks to lend money to come to the system. They pumped. It's like they gave everything they, they did they could to push this market higher. And then the market just ripped higher. And they've been doing this ever since. And now they're starting to talk about, okay, we're going to take away that help a little bit now. Because what's happening is if they help too much help, I mean, print money or whatever they do or keep rates low, it starts to result in inflation. So that's why, you know, they're saying, you know, uh, house prices are going up like crazy. Food prices have been going up. Yeah. And that's because that's that's the negative side effect. So if, if there was no negative side effect, you say like, hey, just do this forever, right? I mean, how could we lose? Just keep keep helping everybody out. That's nah, just crazy. But it, that can't happen. So so when it starts to get, when inflation starts to show up, they have to pull away, or else you can end up in the 1970s again, which was crazy inflation. And right now, are we at risk of having not a 1970s situation, but close? You know the, what they've been doing is is literally, you know, hasn't been done before. The the, the amount of intervention, it's it's incredible what they've done it's unheard of it's it's unheard of it's 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 really really aggressive so they say that you know it's transitory that's their their word for saying like it's only temporary you know but um they're gonna have to back off a little bit if they keep going crazy for longer term it's, it's if people start to believe it's all a confidence game i mean like you ever stop and think like this dollar in my pocket why is it worth a dollar no because then i'm gonna get upset because i'm gonna realize it's not worth anything right so so it's all a confidence game so yeah. and the same thing with prices if everyone starts to say like well you know food's going up 5% a year and the union says, well, now we want 5% a year pay increase. Now you start to lock into the system, this five, six, 7% increase that goes to the employees, which results in higher prices. And that's what happened in the seventies. So as long as people believe that it's short term, it's just because of COVID, it's going to go away. Everything stays under control. But if ever, if people start to believe that prices are going to keep going higher, that's where they can start to get into like big trouble. So that, that's the fine line. They always have to walk. Is there, so what you've done with your career is amazing for the record. Like it's, it's awesome because you, you and Harry both are people that I, I respect, I admire because you built something yourselves. Mm -hmm. You, it was, it was your company. You started, you were doing your stuff. He was doing his stuff. And he said, you know what? I know this game well enough. I made money for other people doing this game. I'm going to do it myself. Kind of like a, a independent video game developers. That's how I see you guys. They were working for big companies. They learned all the skills. They were the best at it. And they said, you know what? I'm going to make my own game. And that's what yeah. you did. So I love that. But are there also other avenues you see or maybe you're involved in apart from stocks, apart from trading? Like, do you dabble in real estate? Are you as knowledgeable? Do you do anything like that? I don't. You know, for me, trading, I, I really love it. Like, I mean, most people do a job, do a job. For me, it's funny. I was actually, I found a paper recently um, at home. I think my mom gave it to me. She's like, look at this. I think it was from sixth grade. Like, you know, what do you want to do when you're older? And I said, I want to be a stock trader and have a condo in Florida and trade stocks. Is that like, what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. So I think I was like nine or 10 years old because my dad What always... did you watch? Wolf of Wall Street? Like, uh, <laughs> at the time, what was it? It was uh, Gordon Gecko. What was yeah, he? it was yeah. Wall Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I did my, my dad worked at Bell. He's a regular you know, repairman. But he always showed me stocks. He brought me to the floor of the exchange and like uh, I'd have five shares of Wendy's or whatever it was. And you were so excited. It was like, it got me excited. Like, I mean, I remember like it would be like grade four and you know, the teacher would show how to read a newspaper. Like I'd go to the business column and look at like WEN, my, <laughs> my five shares of Wendy's up, you know? So it's something like I always wanted to do. So 
I just like, I, I think if you want to be a specialist in something and, and do it your best. So I, I try and avoid real estate in this, like trading is my business. And I mean, if I was worth uh, $10 billion, I need to diversify fine. But That's I mean, story, yeah. with my capital, I mean, I, I haven't exhausted what's available in the, in the stock market. So I figure why, why move over, you know? And does it make a difference for you being here, like in Quebec, time zone wise and all that? Or is this the perfect spot for you to be in? Well, the only difference it makes is that there's just so little trading here anymore. I mean, everything went to Toronto, basically. Even when me and Harry worked together at the bank, that was like the last big trading house, like, you know, like big time trading house in Quebec. And they ended up closing that department in 2012. It was like after the financial crisis, they wanted to like deleverage risk. So some of the, the better traders, we went on our own. Others went to other jobs. But one of the great things about Twitter and, and all these social media is I, I've had a chance to connect with some really smart people in other places in Chicago and, uh, you know, California, Florida, New York. Because otherwise, I mean, trading's a lonely business. It, like, look at Harry. Like, you joke, he's, he's a hermit. But most good traders, you're, you're in the zone, you're doing your thing. Even when we trade together, like, typically, I mean, you're just talking ideas, but you're doing your own thing. So being here, it's not ideal because you can't really make connections if you want to raise capital or do things, but it doesn't really matter where you're sitting, to be honest. Because of the internet. Yeah, exactly. And you're using Twitter properly, I see. Because <laughs> No, it's true because you're sharing stuff, you're growing, you're following. I've also found another guy, I think, I don't know, who, maybe it was you who put me onto him, John Quake. Oh, John Quake, yeah. yeah. Harry must have been Harry, he's a uranium must, guy. Yeah, he's a uranium, he's yeah. obsessed with uranium, but he's always giving me good updates. You know, this guy knows what he's talking but about. You know what, see, guys like that, you have to be, not, not, not that he's putting bad information, but... In my eyes, it's, it's more of like a, a promotion. Like, I mean, for uranium. clearly he's involved in that. Set, so he's only going to say good things. So yeah. to me, it's like if someone is only going to say one thing, it's almost like you, you kind of become useless to me a little bit. This guy's bit. a Chernobyl bad boy. This guy's only only nuclear all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so whether even if things are looking terrible, he's going to be saying good things, but we're, yeah. we're right around the corner. So it's, I mean, it's good for general information, but I try to not make it skew my thoughts because if someone's always positive, I mean... You're always positive, right? Even even a broken clock is right twice a day. So yeah. I kind of start to ignore it. My producer, uh, borderline autiste, perhaps a retard, uh, <laughs> writes less than twice a day. I'll tell you that one. So write less than a broken clock. Less than clock. twice a day. Yeah. Wow, okay. Did that's, you? That's impressive. Oh, him. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's something else. Look at him. Nice shirt, Atlas. Did you get involved at all with uh, the AMC and GameStop stuff? Did you make any I money? Did. You know, I, I was, I have to say, I was a little bit jealous of Harry because. Yeah, GameStop. Yeah. yeah he <laughs> he kind of, he, he, like, he fell into it, but, like, I mean, properly. Like, he was in the stock because it was undervalued and it was, I think, seven or eight dollars. Yeah. And I was in all these, like, stocks that were benefiting from stay at home. And he's like, oh, GameStop is too cheap. I'm like, what are you doing? This, this, what they sell, like, game discs? You know, like, who's going to go buy, like, a game disc and, or the old Nintendo games? We have to blow on it to put it inside the cartridge. I'm like, everything's digital. What are you doing with this? And he's like, no, it's too cheap. And, it just happened to, to explode into this Reddit mania that came out of nowhere. I mean, so great. For, sometimes so many, so many bad luck things happen when you're trading. When something good happens, I'm just like so happy for the trader because it's, trust me, it's like anything that can go bad will go bad when you trade for some reason. I wish I, I, I made a bit of money on the AMC. Mm -hmm. uh, I sold a little early because of Harry. Okay. I was like, I think it's going to go even higher. He's like, no, I'll sell now. And then I sold it. And then like a week later, I went higher. I was like, listen, Harry. <laughs> but uh, no, he's good though. But yeah, I'm surprised that you didn't get into any of that. So you don't get influenced by uh, like um, like the pop culture traders. You, you don't give a shit about mainstream media. You, it's, I see the value. I'm putting my money in this. And I don't care what the naysayers or even the uh, overly optimistic people are saying. I try and rely on on actual data. So I look at either like the fundamentals, like are they is a the company making more money? That, that's how I try and figure out who's onto a new trend. And then I use charts to analyze the data to see if someone's doing buying or selling or what's going on. So to predict the mania, it's kind of unpredictable. I mean, 
Huda, and, and it happened so fast, like over like a couple of weeks. It went from like $20 to like $400. I mean, yeah, that was insane. I mean, I, that itself was unheard of. It never, that's never happened before, you know? So, I mean, how could you predict? And, but the thing is, it, it gives trading such a bad name because everyone then chases to try and find this kind of, this opportunity, which never comes around or is almost unpredictable. It's a unicorn. It's a unicorn. It's, it's absolutely a unicorn. So everyone's focused on that when if you took your all this effort and time and, and this money and you actually tried to learn it as a business and you you'll, you can make money for life. I mean, even if it's not your, your profession, everyone, side money. everyone saves, has money on the side. Learn how to do it properly. And you know, you're, you're 25. By the time you're 55, maybe you have a big extra chunk of change. You know, like why not do it? And it's, it's more fun. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge, you know, so. I like where your head's at. Yeah. yeah you're, you've always been a goddamn thinker. <laughs> what about, um, so you've been involved in this for so long. You've seen companies that were private and then they went public and then you saw mm-hmm. the success, the failure. You're the only person I can ask this to. Have you seen companies that when they go public, for the people who don't understand, like when shares are being sold to the company, like let's say I take this and I go public and then you could buy shares right. of it. That it was can the I, Can w- I get some like pre-IPO shares from you cheap for me if I ever go yeah pre- let me know, okay. <laughs> I'll let you know okay. yeah I mean come on we'll work out something but have you because I was thinking about this there's certain companies that do you think in the long run and you could even see it before it is the worst move there's certain companies that are successful because of their delinquent uh CEO or because of the way they run things whereas the second they go public the modus operandi has to shift because now you're beholden to the shareholders I've noticed this with wrestling that's why I'm bringing it up what changes is when you're no longer private, you have to answer to shareholders. So if, if you're like a really dynamic CEO and you want to do all these things, like nowadays it's CEOs seem to have a lot more rope as to what they want to do. But, you know, if, if you're not, it's, it's everything's great as long as you're making money. The second you start to fumble the ball a little bit, I mean, that, you know, board of directors or shareholders are going to start to put really pressure. They can kick the CEO out, even if he's a founder. Which is crazy to me. Number yeah. one, that's unheard of in, in my um, world. But it happens in the stock world and the corporate well, world all the time. You don't own the company anymore. You're, yeah. just, you're just a partial shareholder. You you IPO someone else now as your partner. So if, if there's enough partners who want you out, you're look at Steve Jobs in the nineties. Yeah. They kicked him out. As they should have. Apparently it was a big hippie who was taking a lot of drugs. But then he came back stronger. <laughs> That's it. The drugs made him stronger. You know what doesn't make sense to me? So right now, me and you, we have this company, we sell it. Or we sell it. We put an IPO out. People come in. I like how it's a we situation. Me and now. you, this, we this just started this company. Masan's gonna get in soon if he's got some money. Okay. So if every year, this is something I've always had trouble understanding. So it's always about making money. It's always about profits. This right. is why people get fired every year. So you got salaries, you got the cost of doing business, mm-hmm. plus whatever you're going to make in, and you're trying to kind of leverage that to make sure you're always coming out on top. Even though, let's say you're making money as a business, you're paying off all your bills, everyone has their salary paid, and you have a profit of $10 million. Mm-hmm. If the next year, once again, everyone's paid bonuses, but now your profit is $8 million, mm-hmm. that's seen as a negative. Very negative. That is absurd to me. Why is that absurd? Because that's, it's kind of like a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy, a never-ending game of I'm going to eat my tail until I die. Because then what happens is even though you're down profit-wise, you made $2 million less than the year before, you technically made an extra $8 million over what you needed in order to pay everyone. Everything's running smoothly. So now you're going to start firing people. To, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. They wait. They're like, oh, shit, next quarter's coming up. Let me get rid of some salary so it looks different. So now it looks like we made $11 million instead of losing two, you know, instead of, you know, being at eight, we're at 11. So it looks like we made a million dollars over the year before. And then you're firing your good people. They're going away. I've noticed with all these companies, that's what keeps yeah. happening. It's, it's so stupid. You don't have to always make $100 million. Some, some years you're going to make $50 million. Enjoy the success. It's because, look, let's say in the example you just did, right, you made $10 million. So now you're not an owner of the company that you started. You're thinking of like an owner. 
I'm thinking uh, after everything's paid, mm-hmm. you, you there's no debt. The company has no debt. Yeah, they so paid I'm all the saying, uh, all the employees got paid. They have an extra profit that mm-hmm. they could do whatever they want with of ten million. I say, but you're thinking like an owner. Whereas, okay, I paid everybody else left. Now at the end, I made ten million dollars. This yeah. is great. Next year, if I make eight, it's still pretty good, right? I'm at eighteen million on the reserve. Fantastic. Yeah. But you have to think of it like an outside investor. So the share of your stock. You're always trying to figure out what's this company going to be worth long term. So let's say in this example, you want to invest in me. It's my company. Yeah. I just took it over. I made $10 million this year. What are you going to pay for my company if you want to buy it? Right Whatever now. that would be the, oh, I will. What would, you pay? would you pay $10 million for it because I made 10 this year? Maybe. If I think you're going to make more than 10 next year, yeah. So you'd pay just 10 well, it depends. So you mean if I so buy into I, I your mean, company? I, I could mean, buy the whole company. You can buy the whole, I want to sell my whole company. I want to yeah. retire. So I made $10 million this year. What do you think I should sell this company for? Way more than $10 because it's not a company that's going to last just one year, right? Right. Yeah. So when you're making this estimate, you're trying to figure out what, I'm trying to say, what do you owe me? Yeah. So you're not going to look at just this year. You're looking next year, the year after, at least five years out, right? Correct. So if you're thinking that, oh, we made 10 this year. Let me give him $50 million, see if in the next decade I could recoup my, my money. Well, I'm, I'll give him 50 because he made 10 and I think this company's going to be even better. He just signed a deal with Spotify. He's going to explode, yeah. right? So, so he's going to make more than 10 next year. So you, just, you pay me $50 million. You're happy. Next year, oh, Spotify doesn't go well. I only made six million. Yeah. Now you want to resell the company. I come back to you. I say, look, Matt, I want to sell the company back. I ought to give you fifty million. You didn't do well this year. You made only six million. You're not going to make fifty million now in five years. How the fuck do you know I won't? Because you just screwed up this year. So that's why. Even but you see, this is what's crazy is if you have a successful year, you can leverage it and then be like, well, I just had a success. It's always going to be successful. But if you have a failure, why are we assuming it's you can't go back to success? It's not, it's not that you can't go back to, to success, but now you did make a mistake. Yeah. So your value is lower. I mean, if you're a boxer, you're undefeated. Man, your next fight, you're going to get a lot of money. But if now if you have two losses in a row, it doesn't mean you can't win the next one, but you're not as valuable as you were before. You could be beaten. You're not undefeated anymore. But if I'm selling stuff, yeah. if, I'm se- if, we're, if we have a shoe company, mm-hmm. there are only so many right and left feet on the planet, right? You're going to have years where if you make a good product, people have already bought the product. The same guy is not going to buy a second one. Yeah, but maybe your product's not as interesting anymore. Now there's a new, better-looking shoe, and you're still making these unattractive shoes that are not. That could be an issue down the line, but I'm saying in the beat, let's say a PlayStation 5, for, mm-hmm. which is hard to buy right now. Yeah. If everyone who wants one already owns one, right, the money that they're making off the physical console is going to go down for a couple of years while the gaming that they're selling goes up, right? Until, oh, they either break or more people come into the market. People have money, they want to come in, it'll go back up. These things are cyclical. You can't always want the same thing over and over. It depends now because like this is where you start to get more technical, but it, it depends the kind of company you are. Okay. So if you're if you're a company that's not in, in hyper growth mode, so you're a regular company, like we're talking, okay, I'm not using Toys R Us because I think they are bankrupt now in the US. But let's say that for example- goddamn exa- giraffe was touching yeah. kids. <laughs> so let's, let's say for example, this, this stony PlayStation example, yeah. right? So it's a little more cyclical. Like it's, it's a company that, you know, growing a bit over time, but every year it varies. So when someone's going to pay for, for Sony, they're going to say, look, I'll pay you for the next 20 years of your earnings up ahead. I'll pay, you, I'll pay you 20 years of earnings right now. That's the going rate. If you're a company that's growing- Is that the going rate? Uh, sometimes higher. Jesus. But let's say a company like, uh, for example, this uh, new drink, Celsius. It's an energy drink. They've been growing like really strong. So you know, when the, one year up, their earnings are up 50%, the next year their profits are up 100%, then they're up 200%. This company is not going to trade at 20 years earnings. They're going to be trading at 300 year earnings. Because they're already investors are looking ten years down the line, saying, "Well, this could be a monster beverage company." Yeah, it looks exponential. It's so, not like so they're, they're yeah. pricing exponential. So if a Sony misses earnings by a little bit, it won't affect them much. But if you're a company that's being priced for this hyper growth, they think, "Well, you're going to be a Coca-Cola competitor." That's how good you are. And then so now they're pricing you like a Coca-Cola competitor potential. 
And then suddenly you say, oh, they stumbled. And now Coke has a better energy drink. Now you're going to go from being a potential Coca-Cola competitor to being, ah, another guy's probably going to be like swept away and unimportant. So your value goes from being, wow, you're super valuable to no longer valuable. And so it depends the kind of company you are. If you're a hyper growth company, stumbling, like we said, from 10 to eight, it's a disaster. Right. If you're Bell Canada selling internet and it's a slow year, Everybody has internet. It's going to be a yawn. They're going to say, yeah. we, we know this year will maybe be a little slower for whatever reason. Next year, it'll be back. It's, it's we got gonna, some super internet coming out next year. It's we'll make gonna, it. it won't dramatically impact things. So it depends the kind of company you are. So okay, that, so that's what I probably wasn't thinking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it shifts. Because I was thinking, I've been, uh, I'm not a, a professional wrestling guy. I used to be when I was younger, but... Um, you actually professionally wrestled or you follow? Uh, oh, I professionally wrestled. No, I fought when I was younger. I used to follow it. I, I used to like it. Uh, and then, you know, you outgrowth things. And now looking at what's happening, I find all the information. It's like so much stuff happened that I wasn't aware of. For example, the company is owned, uh, I guess a public traded company now, the WWE. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, they got deals with NBC. They got this streaming platform they're selling. They, and they fired all kinds of um, superstars because of uh, profits. They weren't what they should have been. So, oh. they, they, so they can get you know, them off their sheets so they can look better than it is. Cause I think they're trying to package it up and sell it to another company. Okay. So that's what made me think about it. I was like, it's interesting because I know that family was making money when they owned it themselves. Now that they got all these other companies involved, they got NBC involved. They got like, now they have to do something they never did before, which is mass firings, repeated like once a year. They keep doing these mass firings and then rehirings. And there's other companies that are coming up. Who I'm like, well, if they take this is like a superstar business. If they take all the good superstars, mm -hmm. isn't your lack of oh I don't want to show any losses this year. Isn't, isn't that going to impact you long-term where then you won't be able to compete because you will have nothing to compete against other guys with? Shouldn't you have taken the shot in the face mm -hmm. for one year so that you can maintain and then build? You know, so many people look at companies like Apple. They say, like, wow, you know, if I would have invested in 2005, like, look at this. this what a shoulda, coulda. Incredible, right? But it's almost like when you're, when you're trading for long enough, it's almost hard to always be an optimist. Like, I have to consciously try and be optimistic all the time because I've seen so many companies fail. I mean, like the life cycle of capitalism is that the few good people will keep advancing. Most are going to fail and that money's going to come out and go somewhere else. So some people think I'm just going to buy a company, hold it for five years. It's going to be great. Ten years, it's a lock. Most companies are not a lock. Most companies will fail. It means the, the big mega corporations stick around. But if you're playing in this field of smaller companies, a lot of those fail. And, and a lot of like what you're talking about, it's when you start to slow down, that's why these companies have such big swings because one second you're, you're killing it, you're doing great. And then suddenly, yeah, like now, now do I... Do I risk paying out all of my gains to these few wrestlers who are making all this money? But then after, if, what, if, what if I do? And then the fans still don't come. Yeah. Now, now I paid out my money. Now I have to borrow money to keep the lights on. And I still have these legacy contracts. So you have to think like two years from now, I'm going to be in a much worse financial situation. And then I still have to cut my best talent because then I can't pay the bills. So there's this constant balance. That's why, again, going back to that same, same example, if you're making 10, then 8, you say, it's not disastrous. Yeah, if you own a pharmacy, you say, it's still great. I own the pharmacy. It's still a good year. But if you're forecasting 10 years out or 15 years out and you say, like, wow, I thought this was going to be the biggest thing in the world. And now suddenly they're stumbling. That causes some really dramatic shifts because then, you know, management's forced into some bad decisions like you're saying. And sometimes it's forced on them, you know? You see, I like the way you see things. You you put a um, illogical person like me into a nice little logical spot. Yeah, because I was wondering how that stuff works. Because the way I saw it was, I guess, shorter term of, hey, aren't you just giving it to your competition? But you're kind of right. Because then, on in the long term, if you don't make the right decision to kind of cut off the, uh, I guess you know the uh, the bad part of the plant, you might infect the whole thing, mm -hmm. and then you don't have any money to work with, no workflow. Yeah, exactly. 
This is interesting. You know, when you're a trader, that it, the funny thing is most traders I know that I've gotten to become close with, we tend to be similar people, like have similar thoughts about life, kind of similar characteristics for a lot of things because you have to think really uniquely to be a professional investor. For example, one thing I was talking about recently on Twitter was Pfizer when the FDA uh, gave the green light that the vaccine was fully, um, I, don't know, I guess, fully tested or whatever. Well, not really. They said it's still, this is the other thing I don't understand. They said one, I don't know how stocks work because they said it's fully approved. Yeah. But the caveat was, but not really. The trial ends in a year and a half. <laughs> and it, so I'm like, wait, well, is it? There's no dosage. It's just in general. Yeah, approved. yeah, yeah. This yeah. is a special situation. But typically, see, the same thing happened. I was talking in the tweet. The same thing happened with the marijuana stocks was even when the mar when marijuana was a, was made legal in Canada, most people say, like, oh, great, great time to buy weed stocks, right? Or when Pfizer, when the FDA gave clearance, great time to buy Pfizer stock. Bang, those are both the tops in the stock. They both fell down. Interesting. Because in the market, it's called selling the news. So people are always looking forward. So if everything that's been good has happened, so let's say for legalizing marijuana, right? That's the best case scenario. So most people say, wow, best case scenario. We got to go buy. Like, no. It already happened. It already happened. So looking forward, there's nothing better happening. So everything is downhill from here. You know, so it's just, it takes a different way to look at life. And sometimes my wife gets upset when we have arguments. I'm like, no, you're, you're looking at it just from this direction. Like, you know, think of like, like a game of like chess, you know, three, four steps ahead, that's investing. If you're looking one step ahead, you're always going to lose. You're saying that your wife uh, doesn't look more than one step ahead? She does, and she's a genius. I was about to I'm say, I'm you very, don't want to say this on camera, I'm sir. I'm very lucky to have my Gets wife. Gets a beating. Girls, <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you say? <laughs> you thought I wasn't going to hear this? No, I, it's, uh, yeah, you bring that up, and I heard the same thing. Once it's in the news, that's not when you want to be invested. That's when you want to sell. That's yeah. what, And now I, I stick by it because... You know, you told me, other people told me that are smart in this. And I un I finally understand what you guys mean. It's because of the example you just gave. Because once it's in the news, all the people that were going to invest, the smart ones that were going to make money and write it up, just did it. That's why you're hearing about it in the news. Because yeah, exactly. it just made its explosion. And the news is, they're not saints. I mean, articles are placed, you know. So if I have, I don't know, I have $2 billion worth of the stock, I'm this major hedge fund or I'm this major fund company. It's all you, I have to sell the stock to somebody. Yeah. So, I mean, so you, you call a friend at, I don't know, XYZ Journal or whoever it is and say, hey, this company's doing great. Why don't you make a great expose about how fantastic they are? And that brings in a whole crop of buyers. And now you can sell your stock without having to drop the price because there's this nice big crop of buyers. But then who do they sell it to? There's no there's nothing else good to come out. So they're, I mean, they're these stuck. Are, these are games that go back from the beginning of the stock market. I mean, there's some really good books. There's one legendary book. It's from 1927. The Bible? <laughs> For stock investing, maybe, called Re Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. And these are the same tricks he spoke about like 100 years ago. It's, just, it's the same same game. It's like vaudeville. They're using the same scams. Same scams, man. What about, remember, I don't know if it's still a thing, and I haven't heard, remember when penny stocks were a big thing? Yeah. People would swing penny stocks. Does yeah. that still happen? Not as much. No, yeah. people, I guess, don't fall for it anymore. I think um, that kind of uh, investor has gone a lot to options now. So, I mean, what You're options... Just betting against stocks. No, you could bet, bet for stocks, but it, usually options were people who didn't want to... Who want, like, these big gains, and they only have a little bit of money to invest. So, that's why they would play with penny stocks. Now, the options market, where I could say, like, you know, I bet that uh, this stock's going to go up 10% next week. So, I can buy this option for pennies and try and make, you know, a dollar, two dollars on it. And I think that speculative fervor has gone more to that arena because like, there's record options uh, activity going on now but on options you could lose more than you put in right you lose everything no uh, well most people are uh, most brokers will restrict that from happening i mean okay. like if, if you're like a regular person with a regular account they're not going to let you get into that situation like puts and all that stuff they yeah won't like, like they're called naked naked options usually, usually they won't let you do that but uh but let's say you have uh, ten thousand in your account if you put ten thousand on this option 
and it expires and 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 what what you thought was going to happen didn't happen you're left with nothing i mean so it's like you could make but, but are you only this what but you're only left with what you put in you're left with nothing zero dollars zero dollars because you put in 10 g's you put in 10 g's in this option thinking like oh by it next failed. by next friday the stock's going to do this and you're wrong yeah zero you lose but you you won't lose it's not like you're going to owe them more no, than your 10 no, g's not if you buy a call option no. okay that's what i that's, that's what i care about naked if ever someone gets you into something naked you're screwed most times it could be a lot of trouble so. you could owe more than which even <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's amazing careful. Margin call. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what they did with the uh, the housing uh, bubble in the states, right? They were calling yeah. back, and they didn't have the money to pay them. Is that what happened? In a sense, these people kind of had, yeah. It, in a way, it's kind of same concept of what happened. Yeah. Can that happen in Canada now? Because I know that in two thousand eight, the way the government was, um, the way they took care of the housing market, we were exempt. We were safe. Is it the same thing now? Because I don't know. Because this government seems to just be spending money willy nilly. I, I mean. House prices in Canada make the U.S. house prices in 2008 look cheap. Mm. I, I don't know. I, 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 a good friend, actually a mutual friend of me and Harry's, our, our friend George, he sent me this article recently about like a record number of people taking out fourth mortgages, like a fourth mortgage on your house. On the same house? I, I guess using it to buy other property. I mean, That's smart. But how, wait, a fourth mortgage, if I, if I understand correctly, uh, after they've paid off the other ones, right? No, no, like no, they, no, no. At the same time? It, yeah, at the same time. Like, I didn't even know you were allowed to do that. I'm, I'm like from an immigrant family. Like, you know, you guys are Greek. I'm Italian yeah. background. Like us, it's, you get a house, you want to pay that house. You don't want debt. You know, that, that's yeah. our mentality, you know? And but there is good debt. I found out this week. There is good debt. Yes. For example, that's what I heard. But fourth mortgage is probably not good debt. That's probably. I didn't know you could take, f- I thought it's a say, I thought you could correct me if I'm wrong yeah. and you probably will. Cause I'm probably going to be wrong. But I thought you have a mortgage. Let's mm-hmm. say on your property, on your house, you pay off like a hundred G's and now you have a hundred G's there. You can then take that out. That's like a mortgage that you're taking, a second one, right? Because that hundred. Like, I'm not a, a pro in the real estate market. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying the levels of debt, though, of like in Canada now, like relative to house prices, just like astronomical. Like it's way more than what the U.S. at. What's scary about Canada, I find, and I mean the bears, but, uh, bears. Yeah, that's one moose. Yeah, moose it, it, with a car. The meese. Meese. The meese are dangerous. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, so much of our economy revolves around around housing i mean in the u.s it's a much broader economy so if, if let's say housing goes down there's you know there's a lot of this there's all kinds of stuff in the u.s they do everything right yeah. here we, we don't have many types of sectors we have the oil and gas which you're trying to kill there's construction there's there's banking there, like there's there's not a, a very diverse set of industries so construction is a much bigger part of our economy if that suddenly would hit a wall i mean there's major repercussions you know because so. then everybody would feel it well, I mean, like, look, so if, if let's say, I mean, there's a worst case scenario, right? I mean, I don't know, will it come to fruition? And I hope, I hope it not. tanks, people aren't building houses and the people that are building them don't have a job. Then and if they, they don't, they, have- they want to sell their house, but there's no one else to buy because they're out of work. And then the banks now are in trouble because all these mortgages are underwater and, and there's no one left to repay them. And that leads to more layoffs. And that is so, you know, the guy who was going to build houses can't buy a car. So the car dealerships are in trouble. And so it's like this vicious negative circle. And that's why. Usually, like these Federal Reserves lower interest rates, but when you're already at zero, you're like at rock bottom. I mean, how how low do you go? Like, where where does it end? What else can you do? But, but this is something like it's a conversation people have been having for years, and it just keeps levitating higher. So, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, it's wild. What needs to happen in order to? What do you have to do? You have to stunt the growth so that it doesn't explode on us, or you live through it. It has to blow up in order for us to move forward. It, what has to happen? I, you know. When something like that blows up, it's it's almost too dangerous to let blow up. That's so. That's why I'm, yeah. I'm wondering. Yeah, what would happen? I don't know. I mean, look what happened in the states, right? And because now what's going on is kind of unprecedented again in housing. So I mean, what's going to happen? I don't know. Like recently in China, there was big waves last week. I don't know if you heard, 
But Evergrande. Yeah, somebody, he was telling me about it this morning. It's, what is Evergrande? It's, it's the second largest property developer in China. They couldn't pay their bills anymore. I mean, so there's people who had given them money to to build a house for them. And then suddenly they were saying, well, it's too late. I, I can't, I don't, I don't have your money anymore. So like last minute they got some loan. I, I don't know. It's still, it's like they say when there's one cockroach, it's probably more. So it's probably not over, but it's amazing. That's why it rocked world markets when that news came out, because people know, especially since 08, like if something goes down with property, because people are so levered, there's so much, you know, for example, you put 200,000 on a house that's worth a million. If that house starts to fall in value, your money's gone and then you still owe money yeah. on a house that you don't even have anymore. So, so even so if you wanted to sell it, you're never getting that money never, back. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and so most people don't have that kind of funds lying around. So it's it has major implications. And that's why whenever it comes to housing and credit, that's when investors usually panic because it's it's this um, like this link of problems that could happen. It's that snake that's eating its own tail. Pretty much. It's dangerous. You're, you're making me worry, sir, about the economy. But see, you know, the, the problem is if you look at just negative things, there's always going to be something to worry about. So that's why, like I say, like, I, I, I'm very careful on what I read. And I, I really, ha- I practice optimism. I practice staying positive. Because if not, if you fall into that negative circle, it, it gets hard to come out of. What about, because uh, you're invested in the digital lifestyle. You believe in digital, moving forward, technologies. You're a technology guy. Do you think there's dangers in us right now, the way we're leaning 100% towards digital and not really analog, let's say. Because, again, you were talking about the bad things that happen. Mm-hmm. What if one bad thing happens with this digital stuff that we're all invested in? We don't have backups. In what sense? Like, like For example, because you brought up yeah, because you brought up the video games before. You said, who's going to have discs? Mm-hmm. This is stupid. Everything's digital. You're 100% right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're moving more in digital. It might affect other areas if something goes down. It could. I mean, like the internet's been... What about automation, for example? So if we just go in digital and computerized and motorized, then at one point, doesn't even your job become obsolete if you could get an AI that'll track stocks even better than you, faster? You know, like I I try not to go down that mindset. I remember, you know, economics, a lot of what I learned in school probably is not very applicable to life. It's like an academic background. But there's one I read, it was called Malthus Theory. And there was this economist in England, I think like in the 1700s or 1600s, I feel like a while back. And he was saying like, you know, if the population gets too big, there's not enough land to feed everybody. So, and he was, so he became very negative. And he was like, well, we're really in big trouble. But that, that would take a lot. Like there's, there's a lot of space on the planet still. There's only so much farmland. But what he didn't count on was people's innovation, people's t- uh, productivity. So now in one acre of land, we can, we can plant multiples of what they could have planted in one acre of land before new technologies. Right. So I'm just saying that when everything looks really negative, like you're saying, can't AI take your job? There's going to be new jobs we never thought, like who would have thought podcasting was going to be a job? This That's is your true. Job. Yes. What if you, someone said, to, well, tell us, what is, I don't know, your family, I'm Greek, so I'm going to assume you're in the restaurant business. Yeah. I don't know if this is a racist thing if I'm going to get canceled over this. Oh, yeah, I've already canceled you. That was, that was incredibly <laughs> hurtful. Yeah, you would have assumed that I'd get I'll, into yeah. So I say, you know, how many restaurants can we have? And he said, yeah. say, well, no, I'm going to be in this fantastic new world of podcasting, which you never heard of. I'm they would have said, all right, bring him to the hospital. Yeah, exactly, right? So, but, so something, something new comes out. So that's why, as long as, my view is, as long as there's capitalism and freedom, which I mean, nowadays is uh, it's the freedom hard. thing is it's getting scary. But you're uh, like me; you're a freedom lover. I'm a freedom lover. Are you nervous about all the gains you've made? Everything you've done, you've you built a family, a business, all that. Uh, they could just take it away from you. Yeah, I am. It worries me. I, I mean, uh, you know, the old saying is "never make a good crisis go to waste." You know, yeah. and you can see what's like some governments around the world are doing. It's it's crazy. I know oh. you're talking shit about Australia, and you can because even though we have a lot of fans in Australia. Mm-hmm. We've been talking a lot of shit about them too. I mean, look, from just from what I read here, I mean, it's like 
it's pretty wild. Like you can't leave your house for more than an hour a day. I mean, or there's, there's like soldiers in Sydney checking, or you have to check in with your phone to see if you're so far from your house. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, it's now, excessive. It's excessive and yeah. I don't like it. But then sometimes I think if I was in the position of the government, would I want a bunch of Australians around me? No, <laughs> I would limit their ability, their access to me as well. That's what I would do. Oh, it is fucked up, man. I, I'm just, I'm just hoping my very big hope is that, Whenever this state of emergency or whatever ends, everything just goes back to normal. What's this pill that we're talking about? You heard about a pill? You know, I, I just saw some today. I, like I told you, I took a bit of time off. I was with my wife going back to work. She was on maternity leave with my, my, my sons. Congratulations. Thank you. Two of them. It's pretty wild trying to trade, do a course and play with two boys all the time that love to wrestle. So but you did it. I did it. So somehow I don't know how, but it, it happened. Your wife picked good. Yeah, I picked good. She's yeah. the wife. Wasn't for her. It never would have happened. <laughs> I'm trying to redeem myself from that earlier comment, but um, yeah. So I, I just saw headlines say there's a new antiviral pill, so that you know, I, I guess if you get COVID, you can take this pill, and it's going to help reduce the effects of COVID, reduce hospital. I mean, anything that can help us get out of this negativity would be good. I guess, I'm hoping. You know. And is this uh, they're trying to push it out soon? So just like. Last year, the vaccine was under emergency youth authorization, so it wasn't fully tested or it was, you know, still in clinical trials. But, you know, they said it's safe enough that we can use it anyways. Uh, for this pill, they're going to be asking for that same emergency authorization. So it's not done the regular clinical trials, but it's safe enough that it's, you know, there's the risks of negative, you know, side effects, but there's the risks are, are minimal enough that we should roll it out anyways for the benefits, you know, so. Uh, and those would be, you could just take it orally instead yeah. of going to the hospital. Exactly. And it wouldn't, I mean, if, if you're not vaccinated, or I don't know if you are vaccinated, I, I didn't read all the details, but it, it, it prevents, in their studies, it prevented death completely compared to the, the case study group. And uh, what I saw also, it, it dramatically reduced the need for hospitalizations, which are the two you know, big keys, you know, so now, it sounds like good news. In this month of October, right? they are talking about firing 30 to 50% of our uh, nurses and doctors who refuse to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Can, is Are there stocks, and I'm not trying to um, capitalize on a shitty situation, I'm just wondering, is there something that people should invest or bet on or bet against if that actually does happen? Because I, I, I personally see if that happens, we're going to have a huge strain on our system, especially here. I don't know. I, I always The way I try and bet, I, I always try and bet against government doing financially sound things. Whenever yeah. the government touches something that's typically doesn't work out. Oh, well this is going to hurt. If this happens, this is going to hurt. But it's really, I don't see how you'd really benefit from it. It's just kind of a bad situation for everyone. I mean, okay. I mean, here it's a public health system anyways, pretty much. So you can't really bet against it, but I would bet on those. Actually, I can't even bet on them going to the private now. Cause even though our pri they won't let them go to the private sector either. Right. Wild situation, man. So they're just going to be out of work. But I hear they're not fired. I don't know if they changed it for labor laws. They can't fire. You're suspended without pay. I don't know. That's how, fired. I don't know how long that can last. Yeah, you got to eat. Yeah. I don't know. I don't so, know. Uh, you're suspended without pay indefinitely. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know where that lands. you. I, this is one of the things, though. You know, I always tell people it's so nice to work for yourself. Yeah. That's one thing I love about trading, too. It's given me the opportunity. I can go from anywhere in the world and I can work and I don't have to answer to anybody. And it's a rare thing. It's a nice, I mean, I don't even have clients. Well, not have some clients because of the, the, the product I put together, but Really, I don't have anyone to answer to, and it's just, there's not many jobs you can do that. It's a beautiful thing. And even the product you put out, which is a great A product, it's not like they need to come back to you all the time and ask, what is this? It's all in the course. Well, I mean, that's just the, take the I built it that way, so it's really thorough, but I'm always happy to answer some questions. But uh, but in general, yeah, I mean, it's it's beautiful. That's why I tell people, I say, especially if people who like investing, like start, get into it. Even if it's not day one, you're on your own. If after five years, eight years, 10 years, my dad, 
worked his whole career and then he retired and kind of second career. He, he loves the market. He watches it all the time. He does it full time. So it's does he play in them? Does he dabble? Yeah, he doesn't dabble. He's investing. Okay. Oh, he's in. He, whatever I know, he knows. He's my dad's. My dad has the same passion as me or more. So does he get stressed out a lot? You know, it's, it's, I, I find when I'm stressed out, he cools me off. Or sometimes, and I see he's stressed out, I and mean, I try and cool him off. So it's like we kind of got a, a good back and forth thing going on. So we try and keep each other cool. Because I'm thinking of an old Italian guy getting angry at the TV. Because <laughs> I do. I'm a young Greek guy, and I do hey, that hey, with hey, soccer. Yeah. And that was a little racist. Yeah. Oh, you're goddamn right it was. Because <laughs> I you have to cancel Pantelis. I, oh, they tried. <laughs> they tried. Uh, you know what the problem is? Uh, I'm my own boss. <laughs> That's the issue. <laughs> but I've because uh, I go crazy. Yeah. I go crazy like watching soccer. And I think it's a passion that even though I want to have till I'm very old, much like your dad has mm-hmm. the stocks, I don't think I can keep it because it's going to be the death of me. <laughs> so that's why I'm wondering, your dad, this is stressful. One day there's market manipulation. Things are crashing. He's furious. Is that healthy? He's okay. He's in good health. My dad's, my dad's a tough guy, you know, and, and, and he went through a lot of stuff. I mean, when we were, when we were younger, my mom wasn't working. She, she took care of us. She raised us. So he was like the sole you know, person working. He worked crazy hours. He worked at Bell, a lot of overtime. And it's a badass. 1987, yeah, but real badass. You know, in 1987, when the market crashed, like my dad took a real hit. He's like, he still remember. I think we were like in Florida at Disney World, and he, he called to check his quotes, and it's like everything blew up overnight. And that's a lot of pressure on a guy. So you have no more money left. He's like, oh, that's, Basi- that's great. Basically, you know. And uh, anyway, so Mickey, give me back my ten dollars. Yeah, yeah, I gotta go. You know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, he's like, so I, I think he's just been around the block so many times. He's just learned to, like, be, he's kind of like a Yoda. He's chill about it, you know, so. What do you think about uh, podcasting? What do you think? I think it's What do you think about this medium? I, I think it's the future. It's yeah. really it's really interesting. And I think it's great because you can have this kind of this customizable, this person, this this personal thing. If I, I really like Pantelis. I could listen to you. I mean, so many times I would hate them listening to, I don't know, like I used to like uh, Terry DeMonte and Shom. Yeah. And which now I know he's doing some, he's doing podcasting here. And I used to love, it's the only reason I listen to the radio. Like now that he left, I just use Spotify. I, I totally don't listen to show him anymore. I just listen to my stuff. And, and it was great. I used to, lo- I used to tune in just for him. And whenever there was commercials, I'd get annoyed. So to think that I have a podcast where, okay, I'll pay 10 bucks a month and I don't want any interruptions. I'm on, I got 30 minutes in the car. I don't want 17 minutes of advertisements about a, a Chevy Tahoe when I already have my car, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the future. I mean, just like Netflix. I mean, I, I can't watch regular TV anymore with commercials. It's weird, right? I can't. I can't do it. Like my in-laws have cable. My my parent, my dad, he, because he invests, he, where he's always forward-looking. He's like a young guy, you know. He, he canceled TV like before anyone else did, you know. And oh, he's sure. streaming. And so I, when I, if I go to my in-laws and like they're watching something and like commercials come on, I'm like, well, what's what's this? I thought, it's so weird. I thought we were in the middle of a show. What, what, what we're going to find out who killed that guy? And suddenly it's another Chevy Tahoe commercial. Like I don't want a Chevy Tahoe. Stop selling it to me. You know. You know what's weird about that? I never noticed when I was younger, but now, well, now I've noticed a few years ago because of streaming. It's so funny the way TV shows used to be structured mm-hmm. for commercial breaks Yeah, with those little dips or surprises. You'll find out after the break. Yeah. And they would just cut, you know, fade to black. And then when once it comes back, it's kind of like the same thing, but they're reacting a similar situation. Mm-hmm. I had never noticed how weird that was until now because I'm, I'm watching without commercials, old TV shows yeah. where they're stitched together. And you're like, what a weird segue. What a weird cut. Yeah. But they did it just to sell us nonsense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. And and that's a whole shift too. I mean, that's why there was one stock I, I did well actually was Roku. Now, oh, yes. now they're having a bit of you know trouble because Amazon's really trying to step on their turf. But I mean, they're trying to- Who has reached out to me many times actually. Amazon? Yeah, for uh, to join one of their uh, partner programs for my podcast. Oh, I really? will think about I will think about advertising. Impressive. Because uh, yeah. they do the product that they want to advertise, uh, I actually use and I like. Really? So that's why I'm considering it. Yeah. Are we able to disclose what this product it's is? It's Audible. 
Audible. I just gave them a free plug. Oh, wow. Uh, I think they should definitely partner with you now after that free plug. They should. Maybe they don't have to anymore because you already plugged it for free. Fuck. Uh, they probably did it because they saw my account. They're like, yo, this guy's paid for all these books. He hasn't downloaded any of them yet. Because I have uh, my credits. They go up every every month. Okay. But I've not done all the books I was listening to. Okay. So okay. I'm waiting. Okay. Yeah. About to, to get back to Roku, I mean, to me, I get, that's why I always like look at the future. That's where me and Harry, we butt heads sometimes. You know, he says, oh, that stock's overvalued. But, you know, TV up until now is, was like, you know, you put this ad on. You don't know who's watching it. It's very hard to judge. Something like Roku, where they become like the operating system for TV. If you want to put an ad, they, they don't just think like, oh, I'm broadcasting on CBS. It's uh, this is Pantelis's, you know, uh, Roku stick. This is what he's watched. This is what he probably purchased. If they can find, you know, figure things out through yeah. piecing data together. And so he's he he wants a Chevy Tahoe. Don't sell the Chevy Tahoe to Matthew. Pantelis wants that Chevy Tahoe. So you see the ad. I see something different. That's why Amazon is good because they have all our information. And that's why Roku stocks were getting rocked a little bit recently because it was always a Fire Stick in Roku. So yeah. at Fire Stick is Amazon's and. And again, this is why it's so hard. Like, I have a Fire Stick. See, we were talking before about how to like how much is this company worth? Well, Roku was killing it. They they not only did they have the stick, but TCL, um, uh, Hisense, RCA all have a Roku operating system built into the TV. So you buy the TV, it's already a Roku inside. But Amazon said, you know what? We're going to do our own TVs now. Amazon TV, the actual physical TV. Oh, get the fuck out! They have yeah. Amazon TVs it's coming out. So when that's why when that came out, people started to sell Roku. They're like, whoa! Now are they any good? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's, I think they announced it. I don't think it's been come out yet, but that's, that's a big amount of competition now. Like it looked like a sure bet, like Roku's going to have this lock on this, this, this new market and Roku and, you know, Amazon came in with like, you know, uh, a right hook to say like, whoa, you don't have it yet. We're still, we're still, we're not big enough yet. Bezos needs a little more money. So. Well, also they have the power to do it because they have so much money. They could take losses for a while in yeah. order to beat the shit out of the competition. The only, the advantage Roku had was because they were a third part, they didn't have their own content to push. It was easier for them to sign deals with competitors, like to get Netflix and Apple. So like, because Amazon has its own streaming service, a competitor might say like, well, I don't want to go on the Amazon platform because you're my competitor. Roku was neutral. They were in the middle. So that was their big claim to fame. That's what allowed them to get so big in this field of giants. Oh, you're saying like, because Netflix, be like, yeah, put us on your thing. Um, Apple, put us on your thing because yeah. you're not competing with, you have exactly. no shows. But now Amazon is a competitor. We have, there's Amazon Prime Video. So yeah. they're saying, well, whoa, I'm kind of going head to head with you. Do I really want to bring my content to your stick? And after people are going to maybe go away from me and go to your stuff because you're uh. offering. So, but that's the fine line they seem to be walking. And so that's the danger to Roku, you know, so. I like I like this. This, this is the kind of shit I like to talk about. This is interesting. I didn't know this, that this about is, that they're making why, TVs. This is why I kind of left the world of day trading because, I, I mean, like, I, I always made money every year. I mean, me and Harry was, was great stuff. I loved doing it. But it wasn't, like, I like to read about companies. I mean, as a kid, like, I was weird like that. I mean, guys loved sports. Like, we're looking at the Montreal Canadian stats. I was reading up on companies. I don't know. I'm just weird like that, you know? So for me, I said, well, I, I just... I had enough capital where I said, look, I'm training for myself. I want to do a style change. I said, I, I like knowing the whole story behind something, you know? And, and so when I, when I invest now, it's kind of at a different type of level. And I've noticed because of what you said, you said podcasting in the future. I'm with you. I, I, I've known this for 10, 11 years. Nobody was listening initially. Um, moving forward, do you see a future where, because Amazon's invested millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on different podcasts in order to kind of corner the market. Mm -hmm. Do you see a future where one conglomerate owns podcasting or many people are fighting and there's multiple companies? Like, do you see it as a situation where there's a Sears or an Amazon as it is now or many stores? Because Spotify spending so much money, they're really trying to 
I, I don't say podcasting you know, is here now. Amazon is different. Uh, Amazon's an online marketplace. So the business of a marketplace, I've read some books on that. It's really cool. It's a different type of business. It, it's almost it's like a winner take all. So if you're Amazon.com, there's only room for one. It's very hard to have two or three because the fact that you're so big has more people list with you. And because more people list with you, more people will come to you. And it's this virtuous circle that makes you better, better, bigger, bigger. That's why eBay kind of died as and Amazon became number one. Yeah. But in terms of podcasting, I mean, like if I, if I really like the Pantels podcast and I can go on Patreon and it's not on Spotify, Spotify, I don't care. I'm still going to get it. I don't care. I'll go on Patreon. Like I don't, I don't need to be on one platform, you know, and, and all right, there are so many big competitors already. It would be hard to kind of step in at this point. Like there is Spotify, there is Apple music, there is Google, Google. there's uh, different networks that are off the grid. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and that business model, like I said, it's not a marketplace, so you don't have to, it doesn't have to be winner take all, you know? So that's really like kind of like say like Facebook is a marketplace in a sense. You're it's people you know, coming together with people. So I'm on Facebook, let's say, or whatever, Instagram, whatever it is, because my friends are there. Yeah. So the fact that there's more people brings more people. So it's hard to have many types of, of businesses like that because everyone's going to end up in one place. But like I said, like a podcast, like you said, if I'm on Spotify or Google or I don't see why, you know, it has to be just one. I'll tell you what I see. And this is the pessimist thing. It's not going to happen probably. But the only way I see that happening is if I know here in Canada, they've been talking about introducing new bills to regulate the internet. Mm-hmm. They want uh, the CRTC to watch over us. They don't like the fact that we're doing stuff for free. If that actually does happen, then podcasts won't be this free medium that anybody could download, right? Because you won't be allowed to be a broadcaster if you're not oh. part of that system. So what I was thinking, and I don't want this to happen, obviously this would be crazy. It would ruin freedom of, of expression, yeah. freedom of speech. Um, if that were to pass, then I could see this happening where... The only way your content is approved is it has to go through a proper channel. These channels are allowed to show podcasting, whether it's YouTube or whatever, but it needs to go through the process, depending on what you talk about, depending on uh, uh, you know your content, who you are, whatever, then we'll allow it. And if that happens, they're going to be able to uh, monopolize mm-hmm. this industry, which for the most part has been completely free. That's what I'm saying. You don't yeah. see it, but bec- the government stepping in could change uh, the game up. And usually when the government steps, I mean, there's, there's, a, place, ruin there's a place for government, but yeah. again, like I like history. I like, I like capitalism. I like competition to me, like the story of the world getting better is a story of capitalism, you know? So like whenever I see government overreach, it's like, oh, it's probably going to screw something up. You know, I always, my favorite example, I always, I mean, I always go back to this is like, look at, uh, Berlin, world war two happens. The West takes West Berlin, the, the, you know, the, the communists take East Berlin, same people, same city, same time. Perfect real world experiment. It's impossible. Yeah. They put a wall down the middle. One side super prosperous. One side dirt poor, trying to escape, like jumping through barbed wire. To, I mean, the recipe is clear. What leads to success and happiness, you know? Yeah. So, like, whenever you start to monopolize and bring stuff together, it's it's usually. I mean, sometimes there's a place for it, like if there's safety concerns or whatever. There, there's a place for social um, uh, programs. There's a place for some socialism in a modern world, but as a form of government democracy capitalism has to win yeah i think so communism is very dangerous and the thing with socialism there's, there's a, the difference between trying to help people and then there's that, that there's that slippery slope down to communism where it's like a bit more like well now we need uh, universal basic income everyone should make money you can't do that that's crazy number one i don't think it's it's fair because there's people who, who why are people who are working giving money to others i mean if you're a person in need you're a person in need but to think that everyone is deserving of money is a problem but two Look at just what, you know, the aid they've been doing. Why do you think, like, I mean, I, I would try to go to McDonald's today with my kids. Dining room's closed, not enough people to work. Why yeah. would I go work a minimum wage when the government's giving me money to stay home? Like, oh, I'm with you there. It, uh, if you were working, you're an idiot. Yeah. yeah. And, 
And that's temporary. You make that permanent, and that hamburger is not going to be ten dollars anymore. It's going to be twenty five dollars. I've said that, yeah. There's, so there's there's no even Rome, two thousand years ago, they tried to um, they had a, their, their gold coin, and they tried to say like you know we'll mix some copper in there. They're not going to notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it led to massive inflation, like they had the, you know riots. They had to like you know quell the, the people because everyone starts to realize like hey, there's copper mixed in these. So it's nothing is new in the world. It's a variation. So to think that you're gonna yeah, because they were like, just giving them out. So people who well, work like, hard uh, for one gold coin now had seven. They're like holy shit. Yeah, but it's not gold anymore. Yeah. It's, it's it's copper gold. You know. Yeah. So so I mean, people are. I mean, you could trick them at first, and that's why like hey, look, this works. If I put a bit of copper, I win. But after when everyone realized like hey, wait a second, this is like this 80, is worthless. Eighty percent copper. Like then everyone rushes for that same loaf of bread. And now there's there's a problem. So. That's why, you know, I forgot how we even got back to here. Well, we got it because the government overreach, but because I was right. thinking, I just want to see your perception of podcasting and where it's headed because I have the same uh, position as you. I think if it remains a free platform, it's great because everyone's able to personalize their, their likes and dislikes, have podcasts they enjoy listening to, and they have this form of entertainment. I love doing it. I love listening to them. However, in Canada, if the government goes down the route, they, they were stopped Mm-hmm. Uh, but now there was they a new election. Trying. They keep trying. Keep trying. They want that control. They want that control. If they do that, man, whew, it's well, going to be what's crazy. Their, like, I, haven't fo- I should have followed it closer, yeah. but there's too much crazy stuff going on. So essentially, but what's their reasoning? Why do they need to control this? Oh, they said they just th- there needs to be standards. So Who's that- at risk? Who's at risk by these podcasts? Oh, that they didn't mention. Okay. Because uh, I don't think it would be a valid argument. Them's is more of if you're a broad, because you're technically you're broadcasting. So we have people who run the broadcasting, which is, let's say, the, the CRTC. Mm-hmm. But these things, you don't want these things. I'll give you an example. When Sirius first came into Canada, uh, Sirius XM, it was not good for Canadian talent initially. You know, they weren't playing any of our stuff. Other people were making, were making money. It, it took, a, I think, it, it took a guy from Toronto, a comedian, who went to the parliament mm-hmm. to discuss, like, yo, can we get some fucking rules in here? Like, what the hell's going on? Like, put... Put Canadian content, forced there to be Canadian content on there so that our people could make money because they didn't give a shit about that. And then even now what's happening is all these deals that went on in Canadian content is always shit for a reason because they're just pushing the minimum. They're like, you need, this is what you need to have for it to be Canadian content. Mm -hmm. And it's trash. All the big guys are moving. They're leaving. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one, the quality aspect of it. They don't really care. And they dictate what the perception of Canadian content should be. So Trudeau's thing now was, um, uh, we're gonna dictate if something is Canadian enough oh. to be, if you're a broadcaster. Isn't that isn't that racist in a sense? Well, they, but also, how are you gonna dictate whether something's Canadian or anti-Canadian? What if yeah. what I'm saying now we're talking about a stock that's only available in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. So does that mean that that podcast should not be played in Canada because it has nothing to do with Canadians? That's fucking crazy. That's completely yeah. absurd. But they're just using that because it's such a broad thing they could do it for anything. Oh, you're talking about conspiracy theories? Un-Canadian. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about uh, I don't know uh, uh, space. We don't have a space program anymore. Not Canadian. Like they could do, they can apply that to anything. Slippery and, and slope, man. Look at CBC. CBC has the, those standards. It's garbage. It's turned to shit. Not really? Of course. CBC doesn't have good content. Oh, I, I've never and listened to CBC. as a news lot, source, they're yeah. pay, they're, it's crazy when the government is involved because I don't want to be paid, bought and paid for by the government because mm-hmm. then it limits what I can say. I agree. 100%. Because now they're my boss yeah. and they're very quick to the trigger. That works. I think that would almost work against the industry because then if you have somewhere... In the U.S., we have all this rock star content coming out with more money behind it, and it's more interesting. And then you have this you know, shitty Canadian stuff. Yeah, People are not going to watch like, the Canadian you know, stuff. Uh, oh, we love Canada, and uh, let's talk about maple syrup. But it's not going to sell well. And then it's going to—that's what I'm saying. They don't. Yeah. They need to help Canadian content grow independently. Give little advantages for people that are creating, kind of like small businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, help small businesses grow. Everyone wins. It's money coming into the country. I agree. 
what they're doing is they're capping the small businesses. Like you could be a small business in the country. We'll help you out yeah. up to this level, but you could only sell this product. Mm -hmm. Even the guy's like, well, if I can sell that product, I'll make way more money. You're going to make way more money. This is going to be big. No, 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 no. You can only sell this product. We'll leave the other guys sell that product. It's, I hate that shit. You know, it's I communism. Having, I was having this conversation with my cousin recently. We talked about all this kind of stuff. And he said, like, why? I forgot what we were talking about, but he's saying, why would they do that? No one benefits. Uh, you know, Paul, you know, I, I told him, traders, investors, we go into the market to make money. Politicians go into politics for power. Yeah. So even though if the outcome, you say like, well, everyone loses, but if he has more power, he wins. So yeah. sometimes the decision is not based on what's best for everyone else. And sometimes this, this happens in other areas of life, like CEOs, sometimes they blow up companies, they call it uh, empire building. They keep buying company, 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 so they, get, so they have this huge company to take care of, so like, you know, they're, they're more important. But then at the end of the day, it's all bad purchases and eventually it ruins the company, you know? So yeah. a lot of times people, people say, like, oh, of course you have everyone's best interest at heart. Ah, no, always. no, I don't no, buy that. I don't always buy that, no. I'm with you, I'm weary of the government. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see people who view this medium as important and from the outside where it's going. And then the talks that come in from our government, mm -hmm. they don't give a flying fuck. They were trying to even limit um, what you can talk about on the internet uh, about like six months ago, and it didn't pass. Mm -hmm. They were trying to decide, you know, there's certain topics that they wanted YouTube to flag and not, if it's coming out of Canada, really? and not allow them to show it, yeah. Wow. Well, I heard YouTube just took off anything that was considered anti anti-vaccination or, or, or misinformation misinformation but the way they're framing it seems suspicious because they said you're not allowed to say anything negative about anything that was approved by the fda and and i i think in this new rule i think i read a headline they, they took i think rt which is Rus russian time russia today that them and another foreign um media company they took them offline at yeah. under these new rules and see, that's where it's like this slippery, like, like, you know, how much of information control are we going to allow here? I mean, I, my point of view is always, if this person is ridiculous and it's a terrible argument, it should be through discussion and talk that it should come out and say, this guy's ridiculous. Yep. It shouldn't be. Once you start canceling people and they can't talk, then after the guy in charge of the canceling, he becomes the de facto king. And I, exactly. I, I never like that. And that's like what's that. happening now. And YouTube, I don't know if they're folding or if they do, I don't think they're doing this of their own. I think I they know. were clearly coerced into doing it because it's a ran it's a really weird and random thing to do mm -hmm. but what they're saying is if something's fda like a lot of stuff's fda approved mm -hmm. and it's not always good mm -hmm. you know so you can't yeah. cast the, you can't make that huge statement and put a blanket over everything i think it makes it worse i think anyone you're not winning anyone over by doing that i think anyone who was let's say listening to to content that was against an idea if yeah. you cancel that idea I think you just reinforce them and think that like, oh, that has to be the truth and they're trying to cancel. That's why they're trying to cancel. I've said the same thing, yeah. I think, I think it'll works against your stated goal, personally. I don't know. I don't think, you, you know, anyways. That's, I'm with you there. Yeah. I, I'm for like freedom of opinion, freedom of talk. And, you know, I, the old saying, yeah, I disagree with you, but I'll die for your right to say it. You know, that, that's, that's how that, I feel. That's how I always felt, you know, personally. So. We're, yeah, we have uh, sensibilities that fit well into this world of freedom, but they're trying to take it from us. <laughs> But I like that you're a freedom lover, man. I'm a freedom lover. I like, I like it. it. Where are people going to find your masterclass? CarusoInsights.com. And you know, I made it easier because the links are in the description. Perfect. Doesn't that make it easier? That's why this podcast is top podcast. What is it? Top in Quebec now? It's one of the top. One of the is, top. Number, is it number one in Canada? Or? No, I don't think it's number one in Canada. Two Drink Minimum does better. Not soon. But uh, my oh, French right, podcast is up there. You're also on Two Drink Minimum, right? Goddamn right. So basically, yeah. if you're in Canada and you want to hear something funny, you have to listen to Pantel. You have to listen to me. That's, yeah, I'm somewhere. I'm involved. You know, funny story. Mm. I was talking to my wife the other day. I was saying that we were, I was coming on the show. I was saying for the longest time when we were at the other place, Phil kept, you know, my the video producer kept saying, oh, Patali is down the hall. Patali. I said, who's this Patali guy? I said, I know Pantelis is here. Uh, 
this Padali, he was saying. Pad- yeah. Padali. Pad- I'm like, who's yeah. Padali? I had no idea who he for the, it, it, it took weeks. And I just realized he kept talk, calling you by your, like, you know, the Greek version of your the, name. Yeah, you know? exactly. So for the longest time, I was saying, who's this Padali guy? Why I've have, never why seen have, him. Why haven't I met him? I keep seeing, you know, Pantelis by the coffee machine, but I don't see this Padali guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we were laughing about this. So anyway. Oh, you didn't know for the longest time? You just well, thought the, it was someone not, else? Not forever, but for like a good amount of time. Like, I, I, I see, uh, you know, three, four weeks of him talking That's about That's a while. I, well, because he kept saying Padali, and, and and I'm like, I wonder if Pantelis ever does work with this guy's podcast too. They're both they're both podcasters. <laughs> they're guys, both you know? podcasters. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, you say I'm Pantelis, and then Pad- and, and he in front of you, he say Pantelis, and after yeah. we're alone, Padali. So I'm like, who's this Padali guy? And yeah, Phil is a confusing gentleman. He's really into his Greek roots, which is Him? interesting. Yeah, he's into his Greek yeah. roots. Uh, 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 it's either he's into his Greek roots or he's talking about Albanians. He's very <laughs> it's hit or miss with him about yeah, what he's going to yeah. talk about. All right, Matt. Matt, I thank you for fucking coming here, and I hope you get some more uh, people signing up to your masterclass. If you are going to do a masterclass on any type of trading, this is the way to go. Uh, the reviews are in. Also, I know the people who made it, and I got to watch most of it myself. So if you're going to learn from someone, you'll learn from Matt. Links in the description.